Welcome to this recorded service for Sunday the 13th of December 2020, which is the third Sunday of Advent. My name is Peter Walker. Music is provided in this service by the Church of England. Uh, Anne Gibbs leads our prayers and John Alexander Head is reading the Bible passages. Here in the Coventry Diocese, our bishops have promised to provide regular recorded sermons and I'm very pleased to include the first of those, an Advent sermon by Bishop John, as part of this service later on. We begin now with the first hymn, A Great and Mighty Wonder.
Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. The axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. But confident in God's mercy, we confess our sins. We take a moment in silence. Lord Jesus, you came to gather the nations into the peace of your kingdom. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You come in word and sacrament to strengthen us in holiness. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You will come in glory with salvation for your people. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Collect God, for whom we watch and wait, you sent John the Baptist to prepare the way of your Son. Give us courage to speak the truth, to hunger for justice, and to suffer for the cause of right. With Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. For, as the soil makes the young plants come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness 
and praise spring up before all nations. A reading from the first letter to the Thessalonians. I enjoyed recently, and I hope that you will now enjoy, the words of this new hymn by Stuart Townend, When Love Came Down to Earth.
reading from the Holy Gospel according to John in the first chapter. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a true witness to the light. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptise if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptise with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptising. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let us offer a prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came among us in great humility. And we thank you too that you will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and prepare us that when Jesus Christ comes again, he may find in each of us a dwelling place prepared for himself. And we thank you that you come to meet us in your word, the word of scriptures. And so we pray that you will open our ears to hear what you would say to each of us and to all of us together. We pray too that you will soften our hearts that they may be receptive to your word and that you will strengthen our wills to trust and obey all that we hear you say to us and this we pray in faith and in the name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Quite a few years ago I received a Christmas card and on the front of it in bold words, uh, was written, may the love of Christ turn your world upside down. May the love of Christ turn your world upside down. Well, that's quite a disturbing thought, having your world turned upside down. That is a disturbing reality. And yet that is what the love of God does. That is what the coming of God's kingdom 
means. It means change. It is revolutionary. And from Isaiah in this morning's reading, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And Ezekiel, another uh, exilic uh, prophet, I will bring down the tall tree and raise up the small tree. The revolution of the kingdom of God. Mary will soon be singing. He brings down the mighty from their seats, from their thrones, and lifts up the lowly. Jesus will soon be teaching. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the, the disturbing revolution of the kingdom of God, but it is the disturbance that true love, the love of God, brings and God in his love disturbs us into life, into true life, into life in all its fullness. He disturbs our false peace that we might discover and enter into his peace, that peace that this world, nothing in this world, no one in this world can give. So, so God does not come to humour us in our illusions or to reinforce us in our prejudices, or to sing lullabies to our spiritual slumber. God comes to wake us up. I don't know what relationship you have with your alarm clock. I guess it may be a bit of a love-hate relationship. Not wanting that light to shine when we are enjoying our slumber. But God comes to wake us up. I guess you may know um, a story, it may be apocryphal, I don't know, of a um, uh, uh, boy at school and the teacher is, it might be Sunday school, no it wouldn't be Sunday school, the teacher is um, uh, teaching about whales, not the country but the enormous mammal, whales. And the teacher is saying, and she seems convinced of this, that uh, a whale, even though such an enormous creature, couldn't actually swallow a human being whole. And the boy who knows his Bible in the class says, but yes, Miss um, uh, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And she's very firm, no, that, that would not be possible. A whale couldn't swallow a person whole. And he said, uh, Yes, but, but Jonah was swallowed whole by a whale. She said, no, not possibly. He said, yes, miss. It went on like that. And then uh, uh, the teacher, and then the boy said, um, well, when I get to, to heaven, I'll ask him. And the teacher rather mischievously said, well, what if he went to hell? And the boy had a little think about it, and then said to her, will you ask him? Well, uh, that is um, a rather gratuitous segue into uh, the great traditional but disturbing Advent themes of death and judgment of heaven and hell. But we cotton wool those themes at our peril, 
peril. We, we rob the gospel of its power if we uh, clothe it with uh, a well-meaning uh, humanist optimism. Bonhoeffer in prison and soon to be executed for his complicity in a plot to uh, assassinate Hitler, writes this, the coming of God is truly not only glad tidings, but first of all, frightening news for everyone who has a conscience. Frightening news, Advent, for anyone who has a conscience. He's remembering what we remember every time we pray the Advent collect. Not only, of course, uh, as we uh, remember the coming of God in Christ in great humility, but Bonhoeffer is writing, remembering that he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, to reveal all. So Advent is a time to, to wake up now, Paul writes, expecting the coming of Jesus in his lifetime. Now is the time. And we're all to expect the coming of Jesus, or to be ready for it. Now is the time, writes Paul, to wake out of sleep. From now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And so much of Jesus' teaching is about being ready. If you do not know the hour, be ready. Keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the household is coming. Be ready. And that is, if you like, the disturbing theme of Advent, or the theme that, that should wake us up. Because in Advent we remember, we, it's a call to repentance, as we remember in the prophets and John the Baptist, to return, to, to turn to the light of Christ, the light that reveals all. And in that light, we see what we cannot see not in the light of Christ. The things we cannot see with a natural human eye. When the Lord comes, Paul writes, he will bring to light things hidden in darkness and will reveal the purposes of our hearts. This seeing can be uncomfortable because in the light of Christ, Christ, who is the truth, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, we see things that we might choose ordinarily not to see. But this is a journey into healing. The disturbing call to repent, to dare to see, to dare to return, is a call back to the one who loves us more than we can imagine. And it is in that returning and in that receiving as we return, receiving his love, his forgiveness, his healing, his anointing, that we are sent out to be reconciled reconcilers, to be those who have been accepted by Christ, accepting of others. 
But I guess it's true, particularly this Advent, having lived through the pandemic for a long time already, that we have already, in a sense, been woken up. Our securities have been uh, revealed, exposed as fragile. Many of them may have been broken open. We're more aware of uh, our, our fragility, our mortality. And in that sense, our need of God. And it is surely in the economy of God that so many uh, who are not Christian, not yet Christian, or many of any faiths or none, have been drawn to ask those deeper questions about life and meaning and death. So many more apparently seeking on Google or whatever, how do I pray? And we know already in this diocese and across the country and the world, how many more people are joining in with virtual worship, seeking to connect with that which is, or the one who is beyond, as well as at the same time, the one who is with us. So we're more aware of our frailty. We are perhaps uh, all of us struggling in ways that we hadn't anticipated we would be. I remember Ken Leach, uh, some of you will have read his, his, his powerful pastoral prophetic theology, an Anglican priest who came to the diocese many years ago and I met him with others uh, when he came. And one of the things he said that really struck me and has remained with me is theology begins where the pain is. Theology begins where the pain is. I think he was meaning by that that it is in the place of our struggle, and which one of us isn't in a place of struggle in one way or another at the moment, in the place of our need of God, blessed are those who know their need of God, that we can discover and encounter the good news of the gospel in Christ Jesus. So that our struggles, our wrestlings, our uncertainties, far from being obstacles to the redeeming, healing love of God, are the very raw material of salvation or are bridges into, if we bring them to God, bridges into our own reconciliation with God, which needs to continue to happen, isn't that? It's not a one-off event. And indeed, our own reconciliation with others and the world. So we are called to, invited to, bring the real stuff to, to God. And that is where God meets us. And that is where God ministers healing to us. That is where God ministers forgiveness. That is where God energizes us, anoints us for the ministry to which he calls each of us as baptized Christians. Isaiah, in his, in his um, prophecy, uh, prophesies words of, of comfort and of hope in Isaiah 40 and the following chapters. And these are words spoken to a, a wounded and hurting people in exile who can't, I imagine, make sense of you know, what, what is God doing that we are here? 
can't make sense of what God's doing in their lives. People who are lamenting, who are hurting, who are really struggling with God's purposes in their lives. And it is into that struggle that Isaiah speaks, writes these prophetic words of hope. In the desert, make a highway for the Lord. In the desert. So they are, they are uh, through God working through Cyrus, to be allowed to return to home, to go back to Judea, to Jerusalem. Extraordinary words of, of hope and promise. And uh, Isaiah is saying, make a highway for the Lord in the desert. Now, the established way of going to Jerusalem from Babylon was not through the desert. It was around the desert. So Isaiah is saying something quite extraordinary, uh, both in literally, it's certainly literally extraordinary, but also um, metaphorically. Extraordinary, but extraordinarily good and important for us. We are to return to God. God draws us back to himself, into his purposes for our lives, not through us avoiding going around the desert places, which is what the old Adam, old Eve within us uh, would prefer. I don't want to be in this desert place, Lord. Please take me around it. I don't want to go through it. But God calls us through the desert places. God who is with us and indeed promises us uh, real desert places, promises the people of Israel, when you go through these difficult things, when you go through uh, the floods, I will be with you. When you go through the fires, they will not consume you. I am with you where you are now. These are words for us in the midst of your struggle. And I will lead you through. So my prayer for myself and for all of us in Advent is that we may both allow ourselves to be disturbed by the word of God. That we might wake up out of any spiritual slumber that we may be in. That we might dare to invite God to show us those parts of our lives that are perhaps uh, still proud that we might be released into a new humility and in that place of humility encounter the living God. I must decrease, says John the Baptist, and this is for us too, surely, that Christ may increase. And so may the living Lord meet you, meet us, as we seek first his kingdom in this journey of Advent. Amen. Let us pray. As we continue our preparations for Christmas, we are so thankful again for the gift of Jesus, for his life as he revealed more of who you are, Father God, and for his death that he freed us from our sin and created the way to you. It's going to be a different Christmas this year for most of us, Help us to be grateful for all that we have and not worry about things we may not have 
or be able to do as we have done previously. Jesus' birth was a simple event in a stable, but was still the birth of a king. We look forward to being able to celebrate his birth, whether in church or at home. We pray for those who are still finding life difficult because of restrictions or losing work and income. We pray for understanding and support where possible. We think especially of the hospitality sector at this time, which should be their busiest and many have had to remain closed or open at restricted times. We pray for all those who own, manage or work in that sector. We are so grateful in St Matthew's for gifts for food parcels and Christmas hampers that we have been able to pass on to those families who are struggling at the moment. We think of those who live alone and are still isolating due to age or vulnerability. Please, Father, protect them from infection and illness and help them in their loneliness. Keep them positive and in good spirits until they can receive a vaccine. We are so grateful that this is now being administered in hospitals up and down the country and pray that the supply of this vaccine will continue as planned and for the logistics of reaching everyone. We pray that other countries will be able to follow with a vaccination programme very soon. We lift those who are sick or receiving treatment to your Father. We pray for your supernatural healing and for strength to cope with pain. Thank you for all those who care for them and for doctors, nurses and carers who continue to work so hard. We pray for the care homes in our parishes. Thank you for the caring staff who go above and beyond to help make the residents' lives enjoyable, particularly if they aren't able to see family and friends. It is particularly a difficult time for those families who have lost a loved one this year. We pray, Father, for your comfort and support from family and friends. Thank you for those charities who work so hard at this time of year to support families in need, those who are sick and the homeless. It has been harder to raise funds this year, so we pray for generous donations now so that the work can continue as normal. We pray for schools in our parishes, for the teachers and all staff and the children and families. It's been a particularly tough term. We pray for protection from the virus and good health for them and to be able to enjoy a good break over Christmas with loved ones. We are all vulnerable and can find ourselves struggling, lonely or in need at times, and therefore need to remember to be understanding, kind and caring in our words and actions to others. Help us, with the guidance of your Holy Spirit, to be an example and bring your peace and joy wherever we go this week. Amen. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen.
Our final hymn is People Look East, The Time Is Near for the Crowning of the Year. May God the Father, who loved the world so much that he sent his only Son, give you grace to prepare for eternal life. Amen. May God the Son, who comes to us as Redeemer and Judge, reveal to you the path from darkness to light. Amen. May God the Holy Spirit, by whose working the Virgin Mary conceived the Christ, help you to bear the fruits of holiness. Amen. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and all those whom you have prayed for this day and always. Amen.